Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, your host, Caroline Foran, author of Owning It and The Confidence Kit and proud mama to the Owning It podcast, which is starting to really grow and take flight. And I'm proud of it. And I'm so grateful for all of the response and the messages. So thank you so much for listening so far. I hope you've been enjoying the series. There is a fair bit more to come. Today, my intro, I'm keeping it super short and sweet because there is so much in my conversation with my guest who is Pat Diddley that I don't think you're going to want to hear very much from me anyway. He has so much to say. He's, well, I'm annoyed at him because he completely outed me and the fact that I don't have any fancy high-tech recording podcasty studio stuff. We literally recorded on a rooftop of a car park because he's so busy and it's very hard to pin him down. And he had some time in between meetings, so I was like, let's do it here. We were so deep in chats about everything from public speaking, which was the theme, to his own story and his own experience of anxiety, to acceptance and everything like that, that we were just so engrossed we didn't notice the fact that about three different helicopters went over our heads and it just got a little bit noisy at some point. So I hope you can put up with me uh, and the slight technical glitches. I am going to be upgrading soon to slightly fancier uh, stuff, so hopefully it'll get even better and I know the last episode was kind of quiet, so I'm working on that. I'm kind of learning as I go. It's all trial and error. But look, the main thing for me is that the content is worth listening to. So yeah, myself and Pat talk an awful lot about public speaking and it being the number one fear that people have. His very practical tips around what to do, what he does, his own experience of anxiety, because obviously he's got so much wisdom that I don't think he could get there without having gone through some stuff. So he tells me that story. And I guess to get started... The first question I asked Pat was how he sort of describes himself because it's very easy to lump him in as like a motivational speaker and you think of the Tony Robbins of the world, who I love as well, but that is not how he describes himself. So I'll let him take over and again, don't forget to subscribe and review and thank you so much. Over to Pat.
it's more I think the connotations people have with life coach or motivational speaker I don't want people being put off by the stuff that I'm trying to do but I guess you don't want to go in I've just come from a corporate job and when you're introduced as a motivational speaker half the room are on the defense from the get-go because they okay. think there's nothing in it or they've got connotations so I kind of call it self-awareness um, or promoting self-awareness the relationship we have with ourselves we talk about anxiety we talk about overwhelm we talk about happiness, inner peace, any of the feelings or emotions we experience are mm -hmm. a reflection of our self-awareness to a certain degree. So I'm trying to promote slowing down, mm -hmm. um, really checking in with what makes you happy as opposed to trying to win validation or approval from other people, which we all fall into that trap. It's so hard to avoid, isn't it? Yeah, and it gets harder all the time as we look outward more. And I guess to a certain degree, I'm looking at spirituality and making it very practical because you know, people are intimidated by the thought of meditation or mm -hmm. the thought of um, looking within all these kind of terms. And I hope that I can put it across in a way that through stories and experiences and lessons and examples and written exercises in a way that people say, oh, this I can do this, you know. OK, so you're sort of normalizing and taking, say, the spiritual stuff out of being up there, kind of kooky, otherworldly and making it grounded in, in real life experience. I hope so, yeah. I mean, I like all the kooky stuff. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm open to every type of, you know, I, I think I find it all fascinating. But I came from a fitness background and what I tried to do in fitness when I had a gym and I had a couple of books and things on fitness was always take the stuff I was learning from people much more intelligent than me, put it into layman terms yes. and make people think they can do it. So, um, you know, a lot of fitness trainers used to be, be obsessed with how many push-up variations they could do. And I would think you only need one. The real skill you need is making the person in front of you think they can do it because oh, that person okay. doesn't believe that. And so it's kind of the same, you know, sometimes people get on the spiritual hierarchy or the spiritual, uh, what's the word? They, they, they get on a pedestal and, mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to reach people. And, and Have yeah. you been described as a guru? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, uh, what's the word? That's a bit. It's uh, hard to be Irish to to have that word isn't it because we're just so like who do you think you are <laughs> yeah guru. fitness guru actually is what i'm always described as in the papers and stuff so uh yeah i don't do the fitness thing anymore but fitness taught me a lot and i suppose my background and the reason i do all this stuff is because i grew up very insecure i didn't believe in myself i didn't have confidence in myself and for a long time i told myself when i achieve certain things so when i achieve external success when i get some uh, public notoriety whatever the word is when I buy a house it was always something else something else something else and um, ironically as I established myself in fitness and some people knew me I actually felt even more insecure you know so sometimes the things that you think you want will actually do the opposite you see that with famous people when famous people go daft you know because they they don't know who they are because they just think they are this person that everyone else projects them to be mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah I, I in the confidence kit which is my second book i know you obviously touch on a lot of similar subjects like the comfort zone and um, confidence and self-worth and, and how we measure that mm -hmm. but i was just reminding myself of the, the other day that you know we're not born with a sense of self we get our sense of self in an early age of what people sort of what we think about ourselves is based on how we perceive other people to perceive us yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's actually exactly. You start off kind of on the back foot, think, getting your sense of worth and identity from what you make up around you. Yeah, I almost think of this whole, like, life is almost like a video game where you're building a character and a lot of people don't realise that you can change the character and you yeah. can take on new skills and you can let go of some stuff that's not working anymore. Um, but I think through my own um, struggles with confidence and struggles with clarity and chasing approval and anything I ever talk about, I definitely guru is the last word in the world because the only reason I can talk about it is because I've, I've experienced it. it or I still experience it, yeah. you know. 
I'm half the time I'm giving myself advice when I'm talking, you know. Well, I'm the same. Like, I mean, it's all easy and well and good to talk about stuff, but you have to constantly remind yourself of what you're saying all the time and yeah. what you're putting out there. And it's obviously easier to give advice than to take it yourself. Yeah. Um, but you have such a strong sense of self-awareness and insight and I don't think anyone can have that level of awareness um, and know what you know and be able to impart the wisdom that you impart without having gone through some shit. So mm. can you take me back into sort of what happened in life that made you end up where you are now? Yeah, loads of stuff, I suppose. In the bigger scheme, uh, like I've had, I've been so lucky. I've always had people close to me in my life. I've never lost anyone too close to me. Uh, nothing crazy has happened in that regard, but I've struggled with anxiety since I was a teenager. I didn't really know what that was until my mid-twenties when I was told it was general anxiety disorder. So I've always had that in the back of my... How did that manifest for you? Um, massive overwhelm, a couple of panic attacks, not sleeping for days on end. Externally, things being really good, but not feeling it. You know, I could be on a beach in Thailand and, and looking great, as in the scene looking great, <laughs> but, uh, but not feeling great. Just just be feeling completely lost and not knowing what's wrong and, and looking at it and saying everything's fine, being a bit lost with all that. So that was definitely something, you know, I heard Brezzy mention it once and I kind of resonated with, he said, you know, at one point he broke his arm because he knew there was something wrong with him, but he didn't know how to verbalize it. Because you're looking for something tangible to pin the blame on why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And yeah. it's hard, especially back then, yeah. it's hard to be able to say it's something like a mental health issue. And I think what I've realized is that like a physical thing happens to you, whereas a mental thing, you, you should kind of be in control of, or that's what we think we should be in control yeah. of it. And if you're not in control of it, that's really scary. Yeah. So that's what I think when I read about Brezzy breaking his yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I look back on stuff I would have done as a teenager, you know, that kind of thing. And, and yeah, not being able to verbalize what, how I was feeling and not being able to, you know, you tell people around you, but even at that time, not that the, I don't even think there was a stigma, but I think the kind of, People didn't know what to say. Only, oh, you'll be fine. You know, give it a couple of days, you'll be fine. Or so. About what age were were, were you most sort of anxious? I think coming toward the end of school, mm -hmm. definitely seventeen, eighteen. I did transition year. I think I'd had enough of it at that stage. Maybe I was ready for the next step of whatever life was. Um. So that was then, and then I moved to Dublin when I was a bit older. So I was anxious through my arts degree because I wasn't doing something. And I think that's a part of it. Definitely for me, at least, if I'm not on purpose and I'm not in alignment to what I enjoy doing there's a feeling you get mm -hmm. you know if you're in a relationship that's not right if you're in a career that's not right you can do all the meditation in the world and everything else but the, you're out of alignment because the things you say are important to you in life are different how you show up in life and that was definitely for me because I had no interest in the arts degree but I did it because I thought uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do and then um, eventually got into fitness and I found myself in Dublin at 24 and uh, I used to train all the models up here for free with the hope that it would help me get a name and it did a little bit, but the, the the reality of the situation was, so this will tell you about social media versus reality. I worked in a clothes shop in the ILAC Centre, folding jeans, 40, 50 hours a week. That was how I made money. I lived on Eastwall Road, could barely pay the rent, and I trained models for free uh, that never paid me anything. But equally, I was putting stuff up on social, and my friends would put two and two together and say, Pat doesn't come home to go and he trains models. He's made it. And so there was a massive, yes. again, disconnect, and I was yeah. completely out of integrity. And ultimately, I had to move home Christmas Eve. My dad rang me. Um, I broke down on the phone, you know, saying I I borrowed money from everyone I could. I hadn't been doing as well as I hoped. I'd have to borrow money for the bus home. And so I got a bus home from Go Dublin to Galway at 24, and I cried for three hours on a bus in front of a load of people I knew and a load of people I'd grown up with. 
and I just felt completely broken and I spent six months depressed you know walking up and down the I'd walk for hours every day walking was always my thing you know if I, I would just walk for six seven eight hours in circles if you know just to, to try get out of my head mm. um so that was definitely a big struggle and then I I I worked through that I built a successful fitness business I dealt with a bit of probably imposter syndrome as I, I started being in rooms with people that I'd grown up admiring. You know, I spent time with Richard Branson at one point and I had massive, you know, imposter syndrome. And that made me pause and reflect and say, like, mm. no one should be on a pedestal above anyone. and No one should be on a pedestal below. So all these different experiences going on the telly for the first time, like four years ago. And I had built a business based on belief and, and belonging and uh, all these great virtues. And when I went on the telly, I suddenly felt like I wasn't enough. And so I reverted to become the fitness guy, dress like a fitness guy, um, talk about broccoli and sit-ups. And I would kick myself because, again, I felt out of integrity every time I drive back to Galway. I'd say I had the chance to talk about some cool stuff there and I didn't. Um, so that, that, I think all those kind of experiences were the kind of catalysts. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's the case that we never, we're never taught. And that's, I, I sometimes hear people say we're never taught this stuff in school. And it's almost like passing the blame. And I don't mean it in that regard. It's yeah. just that we don't. We don't reflect in school. So when you're quite creative when you're young and creativity is about thinking about problem solving, really, and new ideas and everything else. And then there's much more of a focus put on logic. And so you got to think logically. But we don't, beyond the age of 10, 11, 12, we don't really take time to think about what we want in life. What does success look like? What does happiness look like? What makes me happy? Really simple questions that you can spend your whole life not looking at. Mm -hmm. And so because I never explored these questions in too much depth, um, I would make lists of goals from the time I was nine or ten. I've always mm -hmm. done that, you know, but it was always kind of eh, I think it was so that someone would give me a hug and tell me they love me. You know, my parents would say, well, we're proud of you. It was never truly myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and you yeah. say there that you were told you had sort of generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. I kind of have an issue with the word disorder around anxiety. I know it's it's just convenient to sometimes put a label on things and, you know, doctors to just say or anyone anyone to just say let's put this in that box and that is the way you are and you're kind of stuck that way mm. i i really prefer for myself i i never say i have an anxiety disorder because i think anxiety is just like a stress response and everyone has one yeah. and we all have mental health it's not that you're different because you're struggling with your mental health one day or not and um, and i think people really lean into those descriptors then and become that and yeah. you know anxiety is something that was something really big in my life and it, it pops up every now and then sure. but I don't walk around every day thinking oh I'm carrying this disorder with me I don't know is it do you think that's just a convenient word for it or do you think it maybe I'm wrong to say it's not a real thing no I think you gotta you gotta express your own experience with all these things don't you because I'd be hesitant to talk about mental health because I don't want to say anything that undermines how someone else is feeling well you can only speak from your own experience yeah, exactly, and that's all yeah, I ever yeah. want to always put out there that mm. I'm not a professional yeah. I'm just sharing my experience you know you've probably heard this said before or you might have even said it yourself that like if you've got a broken arm you've got a broken arm you're not a broken arm yeah. but if you feel depressed sometimes people own the thing and say I am depressed so I'm not a broken arm, but I am depressed. So we latch on to the emotions and the feelings. But if it's something in our body or whatever, we recognize it as being something outside of ourselves yeah. to a certain degree, something we have as opposed to something we are. And I think that's important. Um, that's an important difference. When I was told that it was, it was, you know, I went to a psychiatrist at that time. That wasn't that a couple of years ago. And he said to me, I thought it was a great analogy and I still use it, that we've all got this fight or flight response, this stress response. And it's like a fire alarm in the house where... 
if the alarm goes off, sorry, if there's a fire in the house, it's beneficial to have a fire alarm because mm-hmm. it gives you this fight or flight, you get out of the house and you're gone. But if it goes every time you use the toaster, suddenly it's 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 lost its purpose. And it's kind of the same for us because we live in such a fast-paced world, because we don't slow down, we don't value meditation, we don't slow, uh, we don't value um, active recovery of different kinds, we don't value taking time for ourselves. Um, we're always in fight or flight response. And so mm-hmm. that alarm is always going. And so part of what I preach is, you know, whether it's even physical exercise is the alarm going, checking your social media is the alarm going. There's such a value on high energy in the world today mm-hmm. that low energy is okay too. And, and it's important. That's how you recharge the batteries. I just came back from Thailand and um, when I was up in Chiang Mai, all the tuk-tuk drivers would be like, they didn't have very much English, but they would say, you know, you'd say, oh, well, Chiang Mai is beautiful. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, that slow life. Yeah. And I just love the idea of like the slow life being the goal. I think from my experience anyway, being burnt out and working yourself to the bone needs to be very much seen as a badge of honor. Yeah. And like, oh, I work 70 hours this week, but like you're not, you're no use to yourself or a company or anyone yeah. if you're like that. And I sort of vowed to never let myself reach that point again. And sometimes I struggle with being freelance and, you know, sometimes I have a lot on, sometimes I have very little on. And I have this real Irish guilt of being like, I need to be doing something eight hours a day but maybe I work differently now and sometimes I have a nap in the middle of the day and like sometimes I don't get up if I don't have to get up for something and like very much subscribe to the slow life and yeah. I will never I, I think I think you have to burn out to realize and appreciate that sometimes Unfortunately, yeah yeah and I think acceptance as well of where you are because when you talk about that I'm reminded of I've got a coaching group down in Galway and there's 10 different business owners in the group and they're all at different stages of business and we meet once a month and I do one-to-one calls with each individual and we work on goals and it's kind of the idea you're going to come in the room in 30 days. You, you don't want to show up without your homework kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it keeps, it's, it's great little group. But I do my one-to-one calls with them and sometimes they're like, you know, I'm, I, I'm watching the rest of the group and I'm not, as, I'm not doing as well as them. And there's this comparison game. Mm-hmm. But I had to remind, remind them the other day, one girl has got a broken leg at the moment, so she's housebound. And I said, some of them are wishing they didn't have to go into the office and she's got that, but she's wishing she can go into the office. The next guy has just left a job and he's trying to come up with his business idea. Some of them are wishing they had that freedom of a full day of no structure. Other than, and so we always wish for what we don't have to a certain degree. And so when you talk about the freelance work, it can be quiet or it can be crazy busy. I think you have to accept one of the one of the ways we stress ourselves out the most is like rejecting where we're at. Mm. So, you know, it, we think we're not worthy. Like I, I tell people all stress in life is your thoughts and, and what you're telling yourself about where you should be. Mm-hmm. So stress about your body is you telling your body should look a certain way. And as blunt as it might sound, it doesn't. So accept it, move on. And that gives you power. Because when you're like, oh, I should have this and my, my, my parents should hug me and my partner should understand me. They don't. So get on with it. You know what I mean? And it's not, yeah. a, I don't mean that to sound harsh, but when you fight reality, you can never win. You have to accept what's there. And then base your decisions off of that, you know? That's kind of the crux of uh, owning it, my mm. first book, and, and sort of how I got on top of my anxiety. And people, in a way, hate when you're really struggling with anxiety to be told you have to just accept it. Like, I don't want to accept this thing that's making me feel like shit. But for me, trying to run away from it or deny where I was or thinking everyone else is fine, I should be fine, all those should, could, would mm-hmm. words um, were just making the anxiety become bigger and bigger and when I actually got to a point where I was willing to say this is where you are right now whether you like it or not you can't change the reasons that led you here and you need to work with it then against it it sounds so like airy fairy but that is when things change for me and that's what I try that is my main message when I talk about anxiety because 
for me when I was feeling so bad I mean I was living my life from one panic attack to the next as all the listeners will know because I never shut up about it um, I was online looking you know what will help what will make this go away and I was sort of falling victim to all of these articles like do this one thing today and you'll never feel yeah. anxiety again yeah. and then it wasn't happening it wasn't working for me and then I would be even more like why can't I just be okay and no, everything was about curing anxiety nothing was about managing it and accepting it and mm. accepting where you are so I mean, I'm not the first, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I'm not the first person to say that, but that was a game changer for me. And I guess it applies to any area of your life, whether you're unhappy with, like you say, like your physical appearance, mm. you know, you accept it first and foremost, and then you do something about it. Yeah, this is what people, um, when you talk about personal development, people talk about addition and adding more actions and habits and all these things. And then the flip side is personal acceptance. And it's kind of a, a contradiction in a way of love yourself as you are and you're enough as you are. But that doesn't mean you can't work on things and work toward goals because we're all we all like challenge. We all like mm-hmm. we, we grow like if it, you talk about the confidence kid, obviously, is it's about when we work toward things that are meaningful to us, we develop confidence. When we put ourselves out there, we develop confidence. When we do the thing, we develop confidence. And so that's why we, we, we work toward things. Um, we are all OK as we are. Um, but it's also great to, again, come back to the video game. I'm, okay, mm. this, this is all a video game. Which character am I going to play? What levels am I going to? go to you know yeah. what bosses am I going to have to overcome I think um, it's about knowing that you can strive for things and achieve things and improve but that your sense of worth and how you value yourself should be intact from day one yes exactly yeah that's a good point yeah yeah and you know to that point if you think about I did a podcast yesterday on feedback and I was talking about how you shouldn't take feedback as being a negative and you shouldn't get emotional about feedback because it's a sign of that maybe so you can get hard. Oh, it is so hard. Yeah. And like I did talks last week around the country and I got great feedback from some people mm. and then other people were saying it was too, you were too fast talking, too slow. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. That we didn't get coffee. There was, you know, a little bunch of, <laughs> and I didn't get it. My, my buddy asked, how do you, do you feel about that? This didn't feel anything. And it doesn't mean I don't care because I sent an email asking for feedback. I absolutely care. But we get emotionally triggered by things that happen to us uh, and we um, we fight it rather than saying, OK, this is where I'm at. Can I make a change based on it? Doesn't mean mm. I have to agree with everything that's said. Everything is feedback. Everything that happens to us is feedback. So accept yourself where you are. But if you look in the mirror and you don't, you, you're not exactly where you'd like to be, then change something and, mm-hmm. and develop over time. So public speaking, which was the theme, I could probably talk to you about 12 million hours, yeah. but I want to talk to you about the actual skill of public speaking because people message me all the time and they have really bad anxiety or maybe they don't have really bad anxiety, but the thought of public speaking gives, gives it to them, them because yeah, I yeah. think, don't people say it's like more fear than death? Yeah, yeah, some people say that, yeah. Um, and it's something I have to do a lot of and I really struggle with myself. I go straight into like imposter syndrome mode mm. and I think in a way... Maybe for you and I, it's a little bit easier because of the content that we're talking about. I can get up and say, yeah, I'm anxious in this scenario. Whereas someone messaged me and, you know, they're in a corporate environment and they have to get up and all the bells and whistles sound, you know, like they know what they're talking about. They can't really disarm people by saying, oh, I'm shitting myself. Yeah, yeah. But I think you or I maybe can. And that's what works for us in public speaking is to have that vulnerability. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just want to talk to you about all of that and why do you, why are people so afraid of it well it was my biggest fear in life um i never went to school or college if i had to do public speaking i i i it would terrify me even four or five years ago i tell this story about i was on a webinar that i had paid to be on 
on the drum lift. <laughs> <laughs> I paid to be on this webinar and uh, it was about learning about how to grow a gym. And so I paid to be on there and they would open up the microphone at one point and say, if anyone has questions, ask. And they said, Pat, we opened your microphone. And I was so scared I wouldn't talk into a laptop. <laughs> and that was five years ago. And so the reason we're afraid is because it's a fear of judgment. We're, it's our biggest fear is that we won't be loved or we won't be accepted. We won't be enough. So you talk about imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome isn't enough, I'm, too, I'm not old enough, young enough, you know, rich enough, poor enough, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so the fear of judgment, um, people talk about fear of failure, fear of failure is a fear of judgment because I can fail at home cooking an omelette, I don't care if I burnt an omelette on the telly. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I probably feel like I failed because other people saw it. Mm-hmm. We're also very outcome dependent, so we're trying to control what the end result is. So when people talk to me about being anxious around job interviews, I'm saying the reason you're anxious is because you're jumping 10 steps ahead. To where they make you an offer? Yeah. Okay. What if you just focused on, let's make this job kick ass? And it's kind of the same as the gym. You know, not every uh, not every workout in the gym routine has to be perfect. You just need to keep showing up. And I, I set someone a challenge the other day. I said, can you get a job? They said they haven't worked in four years. Um, I said, can you get a job inter- interviews in the next eight weeks? And only going with the intention to get a little bit better and getting feedback at each one. And again, not getting emotional about the feedback, just taking it and getting a bit better. So we're very, we're fear, afraid of judgment as part of it. We're very out, uh, focused on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, too de- we're too dependent. And I'm the same. I just was talking about before we went on this that I've come from a corporate job today. And I find the corporate stuff harder because you don't get the same reaction. And sometimes we're too... We put too much validation and too much onus on how people are, are reacting to us or not reacting to us. Well, like a comedian, for example, will get laughs mm. or not. So they'll know. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. you know, you're imparting a lot of information. And maybe, like someone said to me, uh, a friend of mine said, well, maybe they're going to go home and actually take process. break all that down and process mm-hmm. it. So, uh, but it is so much, you know, love me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, here's, here's uh, this was a reframe for me with, with speaking was, most people, when they get nervous about speaking, it's because they're thinking about themselves and they're saying, I need to look good. Subconsciously, they're saying, I need to look good. I need to be accepted. I need to win approval. I need to feel like I did a great job. 
the person who goes out with the attitude of I need to impart something on this group that's a very different energy um, and it's like anything you know neediness is not an attractive thing in anyone and when we go out and we try to win the approval of the audience we're trying to take from them when we try to give them something we're trying to impart a gift on them and I heard this story years about about I don't even know their name Stevie Vai I think is one of them two really famous guitar players two of the best ever and one guy taught the other guy how to play guitar and the second guy didn't realize that the first guy was getting lessons from a guy down the road and he was only one lesson ahead and so the reason I say that is to think that people have this imposter syndrome who am I to stand up and talk I'm not mm -hmm. the best nutritionist in the country I'm not the best anxiety expert in the country but you don't have to be you just have to be a step ahead of the people you're talking to yeah you know and that takes a lot of pressure off yourself so I think you know recognize the fear of judgment is there it's normal but if you can show up and, and let go of the outcome and just say I want to do my best with this and you know the way I overcame the fear to a certain degree because it's always there um, I did a hundred talks for free in a year. Wow. Um, yeah, so I just set out to do a hundred. I did schools, I did colleges. I spoke in an old lady's shed in Roscommon. I showed up and it was just her and her friends in a shed. And I thought it was a gym. And again, it was to make it a little, yeah, because it was awful, you know, and, and yeah. the first hundred talks. And I've had so many, it's like anything. Look, you have to, you have to be awful or something. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's hard to, for, for me, right, the books come out suddenly I'm seen as an authority on these topics and I get asked to come in and speak and you know they want to pay you and that's great but mm. I'm like I don't do I deserve if, if I how do I get paid if I need to be a certain level or does it the imposter thing for me is like what you put out there is at odds with how you view yourself yeah internally and I feel like I don't have room to screw up and learn because people already with the books if they're inviting you and they already see you as a sort of expert so I was like, you know, can you really afford to go and have one shit talk and bomb? Yeah, look, I talk about this as well because, yeah, it's it's a small country, Ireland, and if you get 300 people, 400 people at a talk and you did bomb, we'll say there's 400 people maybe going home and saying they didn't enjoy it. Yeah. But like anything else in life, the things you screw up are the biggest lessons in life. Now, mm -hmm. where a lot of stress and anxiety in life comes from is when we can't accept the positive that came from a negative. I've been talking about this recently with people that any fear you've got is a projection of the past. So you'll have some past memories that you haven't dealt with. So if you've got memories of standing up in school and being laughed at or asking someone out and then rejecting you or something happened in the past and you still see it as a negative memory, that's going to carry forward into the future. So you need to try and make it a neutral memory. And the way you do that is you say, right, someone laughed at me when I stood up in school. What were five positives that came from that? Five minimum. So you start with five and say, well, because they laughed at me, I met some actually really genuine people that are still my friends because I didn't hang out with the cool kids. I went to the library, that led me to college, da, 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 and then you're like, wow, there was actually some positive in this. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, you look back and you say, what was my dream? Well, I wanted to be one of the cool kids wearing tearwaves, daddy, that's tearwaves. <laughs> and then, right, what would the drawbacks have been if I had done that? I would have been a bit of a little asshole, probably. I would have been this, da, 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 da. and then it negates the, you know, it gives the drawbacks. And it kind of shows you everything is neutral, mm -hmm. not to be like downtrodden or anything like that. But, you know, you're going to mess up in the future and you're going to learn a lot from it. You're also going to achieve things in the future that you think are perfect, but it's going to hold you back. Like one of my things for 2019, I want to get lots of speaking in America. Mm -hmm. And that'll be great. And I'll feel like I achieved something and I'll enjoy it. And it'll be part of growth on a business level and a personal level. But equally, it'll take me away from my family. Uh, it'll probably cause, cause some anxiety at times. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be a new learning curve. It'll be going back to square one in a lot of ways. So everything balances out. And one of the reasons we're so emotionally attached to things is because we can only see one side. So when you think about your fear, you can only see the negative. What if you were to see the positive as well? Mm -hmm. That's what holds people back in life is they, they see the fear, but they don't see anything other than the fear. The only way I overcame the fear of public speaking was I knew that when I was 
But my mum's birthday is Christmas Day 2012 and I couldn't buy her a present and I cried on a bus for three hours at 24 and I felt like a failure as a man and I had to take money off my dad to get my mum a birthday card on Christmas Day and I wrote her a card and I said I'll take you to lunch when things get better and when that happened I promised myself this is not going to happen again and so when the fears came up again Pat will you do a puppy speaking engagement everything in my body says no but I'm not going back to where I was and so I play on that thing from the past and I see something worthwhile and fear is like a wall I tell people and you got to see something worthwhile on the far side of the wall I'll climb a wall to get into Disneyland for free <laughs> but I won't climb a wall for something that if I don't know it's on the far side so sometimes people forget to you know you've got fears in life and if you want to overcome them if you're afraid of rejection it's because you're thinking about being rejected if you're going to overcome the fear of rejection you're thinking about the potential partner you can meet mm-hmm. the, the chance to I don't know meet a new bunch of friends whatever it is so you've got to see so that. it's about just sort of being aware of the negatives and saying right they make sense and sort of countering them I think so yeah I think it's it neutralizing everything everything good that happens in your life brings with it some bad as well mm-hmm. where you could be perceived as bad you're just taking pictures in your mind of whether something's good or bad I don't know if I bombed on a talk I would only take a picture in my mind as it being bad that's going to stifle me for years to come and it could debilitate me for life this is why a lot of people get stuck in life because one experience happened and they let it define them and they haven't got a well-rounded view of it mm. if I was to say I learned so much I learned more from bombing one talk mm. which, which would be the truth you'd learn more from bombing one talk than you would from a hundred successful ones I did one recently and I felt like I don't think I bombed and as far as everyone else is concerned but I'm such a harsh critic of myself yeah. and I came away from it first of all was just flooded with the negatives I was like I'm shit why would anyone pay me to do this this is awful I should really just step away from this game entirely you know I'm not what I'm putting out there and saying oh yeah like author best-selling author that's just not what I'm feeling like and I need to just give it up and then over the following days I was really disappointed that that's how I was feeling so hard on myself and I tried to lean into like what feedback can I get from it and like what can I learn and what I learned was that I was going into that public speaking engagement pretending to be someone that I'm not Mm. um and you know being at a level that I'm just not at trying to be at a level that I'm just not at and really what's always worked for me and again like I say like this is where I'm lucky is that I can just be honest and tell my story and then say what actually worked for me but what advice do you have for someone who they're in it like you say a corporate, corporate environment yeah. they have to go in they, they, they have to kind of fake it till they make it yeah what do they do um i think coming back to that trying not to be too outcome dependent i know that's kind of a concept more than an actual practical tip in terms of practical tips the things that make me feel at ease with talking are i think storytelling is really important and i don't care if you're doing a full powerpoint presentation with stats and everything else you put a story in there it's going to be rememberable so if you can develop stories in your presentations, I think that goes a long way. It makes you rememberable. It makes you feel comfortable because we all like telling stories. And you can step away from your notes to tell a story if it's something in your yeah, head. Yeah, which is powerful. And that shows confidence more than anything. You know, I think standing behind a, a podium and, and using the PowerPoint can, again, I go back to my thing of if I'm introduced as a motivational speaker, people have a picture in their mind. If you show up with a PowerPoint presentation, um, people will probably have a picture that it could be death by PowerPoint for the next 60 mm. minutes. So having a few stories is good in there. The formula I use for stories, which I was working with someone last week on, is, is really simple. It's what, why, lesson, apply. So this is how you can turn any story. I hope I'm not going to offer too many tangents, no. but this is how you can turn, it, turn any. I feel like I should be paying you for this consultation. <laughs> <laughs> the girl fly over from the UK the other day and we worked on her talk. So we did a full day and what, why, lesson, apply. So 
I did an example with her. We had gone down, gone down to a coffee shop and the guy behind the till was super overwhelmed because there's so many people in there. And we were looking at each other and we were saying, he hadn't kind of made eye contact. He hadn't acknowledged us. We could see he was busy. And eventually he put his head up and he said, sorry guys, I'll be with you in two seconds. I'm just a bit flustered here. So what happened? We went to the coffee shop. This guy was getting flustered. Why is it relevant? Because he saw himself that once he put up his hand and said, I'm a little bit overwhelmed here, it put everything at ease. What's the lesson in this? Oftentimes we get overwhelmed in life, but we keep our mouth shut. What if we were to say that we're feeling overwhelmed? That would ease the tension for us all. How do we apply this? Find one area of your life where you're feeling overwhelmed and tell people you're overwhelmed. Or seek assistance. He could have hired an extra person. So I'm taking something that happened that is not a story, really. I'm painting a picture. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a lesson out of it. And then I'm asking the person in front of me, how do you apply it? So we could say, you know, what happened today? Well, we recorded an episode of the podcast. And we recorded in the car, on the roof of a car Don't park. tell anyone. <laughs> we recorded it on the roof. This is literally how I do it. Yeah, I'm going to dispose of his body when we're finished recording. <laughs> so, so we go to this car park. We, we record the podcast. Uh, and we're kind of laughing because sometimes people think that it's always a really professional setup. And we're just, we're just making do. What's the lesson? You don't need the perfect setup. You just need to take action on things. And then they ask the, they ask the people in front of you, where in your life are you telling me you need things to be perfect? Are you waiting for the perfect diet plan? Are you working for it? You know Amazing! I mean? It's a good practice to get into. Okay, I think so for people. what? Why? Lesson applied. Lesson applied. What? What was the? What was the story? What happened? Why is it relevant to the audience? Mm -hmm. And I like doing it sometimes where I tell a random story and they're just looking at each other saying, "Why is he telling us this?" And then I say, "Here's how that applies to you guys." Um, so I do an evolution of skateboarding and talking about how skateboarders got so much better in a very short period of time, and they're looking at each other thinking I'm crazy, and then I say, "Here's why it's important. A skateboarder doesn't show up." And look at what the guy next to him is doing and say, I'm going to do twice as much as that. They push themselves a little bit every day and they have fun doing it. They're not structured athletes. They just show up every day. Where in your life could you show up every day for the next 90 days, push yourself a little bit beyond what's possible, and suddenly you're doing different tricks to everyone else. Mm, okay. And that's the secret, you know? Something I think people really struggle with and I struggled with was fearlessness. And I hate that word. Mm. And when that statue of the fearless girl came to Ireland and I was asked on the Late Late Show and talk about it, I was like, I'm not a fearless person. I was described as a fearless woman. I feel fear greatly. Yeah. And I feel like people who are afraid of public speaking are waiting until they don't feel any fear at all. Mm. And I saw you share a story last week or the week before where you were doing, I mean, I can't keep up with the number of talks that you do, but you said the, the hour beforehand is the worst. Yeah. And I was so grateful that someone, I mean, I look at you and it's, immediately when I was listening to your PO I was like oh I'm shit like he's amazing I, why would I ever do it like mortified if I had to go on after you but I was like thank you for showing that you're you still feel fear even though you've done however many what thousands yeah hundreds I would say but, but you're not wait you're not you're not fearless you no. still feel it well there's a great quote it says something like uh, courage can only exist when there's fear so people want to be courageous, but you can't be courageous if you're not afraid of anything. So you True. might as well be afraid. But yeah, fear, you know, I just remind myself, fear is me building stories in my head about what's going to happen. And they're not mm. based on any reality. Yeah. So what do you do in that hour beforehand at this stage? It's funny because I was on the road for a couple of different talks last week. And someone, usually we try to keep people out of the room. Just it's nice energy when everyone comes in together. So we get people registered outside the room and I kind of relax in the room and, and think about the talk. But there was one of the venues we showed up to last week and there just wasn't an area for people to be outside. And so we started letting people in an hour before the talk. And I spent that hour just chatting to people who were attending, which usually I wouldn't like because, you can, you know, people have questions and it like can kind of go a little bit. Yeah, you just, you know, some people will take up 20 minutes while there's other people waiting to talk to you and stuff. And it's just easier to do that afterwards. But I actually found 
the hour really settled me just chatting to people and having the crack and stuff like that whereas the hour when you're on your own in an empty room looking at 400 empty chairs mm-hmm. you're building stories about you know are these people going to like it but what do I do I, I just I, I, I generally I don't script too much I've got three or four ideas I want to cover so that terrifies me mm. I want to get to the point where I can go up and just talk and it'll just spill out of me I am so afraid of taking a leap beyond having my notes and when I would have started out I would have been to the point that it was a script that I would learn off so well that it sounds like I'm talking just the way we're chatting now but really I've got every comma in there wow I'm just I can't imagine anything more terrifying than having like two or three ideas standing up feeling nervous seeing 300 faces staring at you and you're like what if I what if the words don't come to me what and then you're just it's just I'm so scared of it and I, that is my challenge this year yeah it's uh, it's a huge one I think Wellfest a couple of years ago I, I spoke it was my second Wellfest and it was a big audience and I had done a really good talk at the first one and I think in retrospect I probably bombed at the second one and, and that was one of the first times where I, it wasn't actually one of the first times but I, I generally go up and I go guys I'm just gonna like trust that whatever's supposed to come up is gonna come up and I think it just didn't flow. It was fine, it was okay and everything but it didn't flow. So that can happen. I suppose coming back to like how do people build confidence around speaking, one of the things I've kind of overlooked, which is really important and is very practical as well, is preparation yeah. is confidence because and I would just sometimes I rhyme off these ideas and people take it as very prescriptive and they do exactly it doesn't need to be exactly this. But if you were doing a thirty minute talk, you might say there's three key themes you want to put across. So you've got about ten minutes on each theme. For each theme, you might have two practical stories mm-hmm. and then a practical exercise. So you might say, okay, we're going to talk about confidence. Here's how this client of mine developed confidence. Here's how I overcame a fear because those two things kind of relate. Here's how you can do something. So that'll, that, that's 10 minutes content. Okay. Usually, and it's good to get people sort of interacting. Yeah. You're a big fan of the exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a pyramid I saw somewhere of how we learn. And it sort of said, look, the, the worst way to learn, the smallest amount of learning comes from someone lecturing to you. Yeah, and then oh, when, that's what I've been doing. I've just been lecturing at people from behind. No, notes. but I think people take notes and stuff for you. No, look, <laughs> this is all. Um, and look, there's people that come to my seminars hate the interaction. You know, that's feedback. So look, you're never going to keep everyone happy. But then, um, then it goes up the pyramid, and I think it kind of shows that the best way to learn, which is good for us as speakers to be thinking about, and, and anyone listening to be thinking about something they want to learn, is as soon as you learn something, go and teach someone else. So I like to get people doing a uh, written exercise and they go, hey guys, grab someone uh, you don't know, have a really quick conversation, share as much or as little as you're comfortable sharing. And I hated when you made us do that. Most people do. Yeah, <laughs> most people do. And funnily, I'm, I'm scrapping that. I'm going. I'm doing a tour no, now. No, I didn't hate it like as in you shouldn't do it. As yeah. in you made people feel outside their comfort zone. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah. obviously yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually, to put myself outside my comfort zone, I'm doing eight workshops in the UK and Ireland in May. And I'm throwing everything out the window and starting again. So there's not going to be much interactive stuff because I'll be honest, that's a bit of a comfort blanket for me. You know, like that breaks the tension in the room because if you've blank faces staring at you for two, three hours, it can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to say, all right, guys, because you just feel the energy lift when people get up out and of And then you seat. get a bit of a break to like think about where you're going to go next. Yeah, it's more just the energy I like here in the kind of, mm-hmm. all right, guys, go meet someone new. And it's lovely when a couple of hundred people meet someone new and there's a bit of a chit chat mm-hmm. and then it's hard to shut them up and get them sat down again. But So if someone's goal this year is to, you know, put themselves forward for a talk or even like it could even be as simple as being in a meeting and speaking up. Yeah. What is your one parting gift of wisdom um 
you know, one thing I talk about is fear feeds on time. So the longer we leave things, the scarier it gets. Mm-hmm. And I use the diving board analogy. The longer you stand on the diving board, the more ways you come up with you're going to get hurt. The longer you wait to go and ask someone out or ask someone for their number or whatever it is, the more ways you come up with how they'll reject you. And so if you let this year pass by as another year where you don't put yourself out there, whatever that means, whether it's a YouTube video, a podcast, uh, whatever it is. Um, my first podcast I ever did was called Don't Wait, The Time Will Ever Be Right. And mm. I recorded it into my phone and I said, look, I don't have the equipment. I don't have a nice intro. I don't have any of that stuff. But we'll get that over time. And, um, you know, it, it, your life is defined by decisions. And sometimes you're forced to make decisions. So you're, you're forced to hand in your notice. Or you're forced, forced to leave a relationship. But we've also got the chance to pick decisions. We're, we're not as good at doing that. So you could literally decide as you listen to this, one thing you're going to do. And decision means... I think the Latin root of decision is to cut from. So you're basically cutting from your past and you're saying this is going to happen. So for anyone listening, a couple of ideas. You could sign up to Toastmasters. That's a great way of getting out and doing public speaking mm. practice and getting feedback. If you're a bit more confident, you can sign up to a TEDx talk, which would be a huge thing to do. You've done a TED talk. I did a TED talk a couple of years ago and it was, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Should um, I do one? Because it terrifies me. 100%. Oh, yeah, actually, keep yourself accountable on this. Like, I'll actually vomit, like... TEDx is a great opportunity and it's um, what's great about TEDx and this is a, probably a good point for, I'm going off on a million tangents sorry I, I keep sending you off <laughs> no, 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 a million um, but probably a good point for anyone thinking of getting into speaking when you do a TEDx it's almost like writing a business plan because it's very short and concise you've got up to 20 minutes I asked a mentor of mine how should I approach this and he said don't take 20 minutes because people don't have the attention span of 20 do about 10 so I did 10 minutes and it really helped me refine a message. You only put one thing across. You're not getting flustered with lots of different ideas. That's one of the reasons we get. And that's a, a shortcoming of mine, definitely, with speaking, as I try to cover too much because there's a fear of running out of stuff, maybe. Yeah, because if you get asked to do, like I was asked to do something um, next week, it's like an hour and a half of just yeah. me talking. That's yeah. a lot. Like. That is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's doable. I do eight hours, 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Ted, it's a great way of refining your message. So, um, so everyone could maybe... Even as just an exercise in building their confidence and stepping outside their comfort zone, even if they don't have to go and do a talk, like, you know, it's part of our job. Yeah. Should everyone kind of practice a TEDx? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it'd be a great little challenge for anyone listening is 30 days of videos. Take out your phone, record yourself or take out your laptop, record yourself telling a story. Use that what, why, lesson, apply thing I talked about earlier. Just tell a silly story that happened during the day. Got up this morning click snooze on the alarm clock ended up sleeping in didn't make it to work on time why is that relevant well it showed me that i should never click the snooze button how do i apply this in my life ask myself where am i prolonging things whatever yeah and just get into the habit of telling stories get into the habit of seeing yourself on camera and do it for 30 days and the videos don't need to see the light of day but 30 days from now you've got a lot more confidence in yourself before i let you go i just want to what you're saying is so inspiring but it for me it's sort of reverberating so much resonating so much because i waited so long to go live with this podcast yeah and i was just circling around it like on the diving board like you say Mm. waiting to be good enough waiting to have a brilliant studio which i don't have now that you've told everyone we're in a car (laughs) (laughs) um you know waiting for things to be perfect waiting for me not to feel fear waiting for me not to feel feel that i'll be judged you know terrified of feedback that i get whether it was well actually I i love the good feedback obviously but like the the if you get bad feedback, it's it's a hard pill to swallow, but I have to be open for it. Yeah. And yeah, it was just everything you're saying is, I'm just, you know, regardless of how the podcast does, I'm glad that I've just taken the leap just to yeah. do something. If one thing we all did in 2019 was be less obsessed with where we're trying to get and enjoy where we're trying to, like what we're doing, 
So if you just enjoy doing your podcast and you meet people that inspire you or interest into you and you share your own ideas and you do that on a consistent basis, the result is just an afterthought. You know that if you went to number one in the iTunes charts in America, it's not going to change your life in any way. It'll change like your book sales. It'll make me some money. Yeah, but it's not, going to, it's not going to change how you feel. Yes, exactly. But you also know that for the next year, you do three podcasts a week and you share a part of yourself. That will make you feel good. Yeah. So the process is, is the magic. Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for my mocha. <laughs> <laughs> that was Pat Divoli. He is like a Pinterest quote in real life. He's just got so many good sound bites. I really hope you got something from that. I certainly did. I felt like I should be paying him for the consultation on how to nail public speaking. And look, even if you're not going to do a big keynote presentation, there's a lot to be learned from Pat's experience and his wisdom. So hopefully you enjoyed it and thank you again so much for listening. Until next time. Witness history at Roland Garros where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.